Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with One Rental at a Time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag One Rental at a Time. Now on with the show. I hope you are enjoying this brand new playlist, new investor series. These are folks who have been investing for less than five years. We want to know what people are doing right now to get started where they're at. And today we have Andrew Freed with us. How are you doing, Andrew? I am doing fantastic. I am honored to be here, Michael. Well, thank you for the opportunity, folks. He's recording on the last day of 2023. It's amazing that folks signed up on this holiday uh, to share their story. So, Andrew, Andrew, I appreciate you, as does the audience. Tell us, who is Andrew? Where are you at? Where are you investing? What's the portfolio look like? Let's start there. So I think it all comes back to COVID when I had the epiphany of like, I put 10 years into doing the American dream, you know, getting a good job, going to a good school, you know, and doing all that good stuff. And I essentially got a six-figure job, got a condo in a nice swanky, you know, city, and I essentially made it, right? But I really didn't because during COVID, when, you know, I ran out of things to procrastinate, I can only play so many video games and watch so many movies, <laughs> you know, and I came to the realization, it's like, I've been working for, you know, 10 years doing the American dream. And what do I have to show for maybe like six, 12 months of reserves. But at the end of the day, it's like, I'd have to go crawling back to that job and I have to work there for 30 to 40 more years. And that act absolutely scared me. So that kind of elicited me to really like take action. And at that point, I like, I looked at my net worth and I realized like 80% of my net worth was this in this one bedroom condo I bought like five years ago? It was like 200,000 was in it. So I was like, all right, so let me like take a HELOC out of that. And I used that to start buying multifamily. I did some house hacking. I did some joint ventures. I started syndicating once I ran out of my own money. So I did kind of the uh, plethora, but all primarily in multifamily. All right. So let's, let's, let's start back at the beginning. So 2020, again, you have this kind of aha moment. Sometimes I refer to it as the light bulb. You realize that uh, the forty hour for forty year for forty percent was not uh, not all it's cracked up to be, aka the American dream. Mm -hmm. You you had some self reflection. You looked at hey the best the asset that I own right the condo I think or the house uh, yeah. is where most of your net worth is, and and you had the uh, whole some is good more is better as I like to say. Exactly. Yeah, and I and I and I got out of the whole mindset of like saving, and I actually got into the concept of investing because I'm not going to save my way to financial freedom, and I thought I would, and then I did the forecasting. I'm like, this is not feasible. <laughs> well, that is that's yeah. There's a there's a lot in that. I mean, there's a lot of folks who get on. Again, I've shared my story. Same deal. I'm just a couple of decades ahead of you. It's like, even if I got there, Andrew, I wasn't going to be happy, and it would be a life missed right I, I would be i would be disappointed so all right so you so you have this little piggy bank called a, a heloc yeah um let's before we execute on the heloc what did you do first did you find an area a type other investors or did you just buy the first thing you saw so i devoured any piece of education i could get you know one rental at a time i started listening to you and you have fantastic insight into economical news you're like always like four months ahead of everybody that's why i love listening to you um, but then I started listening to Bigger Pockets, you know, devouring all of that. And then I, on the Bigger Pockets, I heard Brandon Turner say, like, all you got to do is house hack 10 multifamilies in 10 years. 
that's yeah. 30 units that's all you need and like it seemed feasible to be like i could house that property every yeah. year i could save 30 grand every year so that's kind of what was my plan initially going into it and i was looking for multifamily in boston and i realized realized quick there wasn't enough supply there was like four or five mm. properties on the market every single time i'd get priced out by cash offers i would never win nobody wants to accept an fha a lot of times when you're facing cash offers you're right so i had a decision to make i had this okay so I want to get multifamily. I want to stay in Massachusetts. What markets have a lot of multis, right? So there are primarily two markets in my area, Brockton, which is right next to my hometown. It's kind of rougher. It actually produces the highest concentration of high quality level boxers. So that can give you a little insight yeah. into it. <laughs> uh, no, no comment. No comment. Yes. Yes. So, um, so then the other city was Worcester, Massachusetts, which is the second largest city in Mass. Mm. Um, and it had like 40% of their housing stock on multifamily. You could oh. throw a rock and a, almost a 50% chance is hitting a multifamily. So it was like, it's like a Mecca for multifamily. And that's why I decided to like essentially uproot my entire life. I need nobody out in Worcester. And I decided to house that, uh, a property out in Worcester, a three family. Awesome. So let's poke at that a little bit more. So how, I don't know distance. I'm sorry. Boston to Worcester is an hour. What What are we talking? 45 minutes to an hour. Okay. You know? All right. So you're not, you're not going across state lines or anything. So, okay, you uproot yourself. You know nobody there. This is amazing. Every conversation I have with a new investor, it starts with some choice and some sacrifice. Uprooting yourself, going to this location was not fun. It was, um, it was a sacrifice. It's something you didn't have to do. But you did it because you knew that this, this was a way you were going to get on the property ladder with a multifamily. So tell us about that first three-family. So that first three family, I actually took $40,000 from my line of credit and combined that with an FHA loan and house hacked okay. that property. So I think I bought it for around $560,000, uh, two units vacant. I lived in the third. Um, and the mortgage on the property was $3,200. So then two of the units brought me $3,200. So just by making that one move, I completely removed my living expense. Now, just to keep the numbers clear, that is just uh, principal interest or is that PITI, taxes and insurance also? That's pity, but it is excluding um, repair, maintenance, capex, yeah. all the facing expenses, of course. Right. So, okay. And again, you're self-managing because you're house hacking. Um, I am curious when you, when you house hack at three, was this just one big house chopped up or was it like three different structures or what are we talking? Off to bottom. One, okay. two, three, all exact Ooh. mirror, mirror copied. Um, units, 4,000 square feet, each unit's 1,333 square feet, exact oh, same like copy. It. So like when I turned one unit, I could just like copy and paste that into another unit, you know? I like it. Okay. And you bought it, You when you bought it, two were empty. Um, well, one had an owner's son and I agreed that he could stay there for two or two or three months and he did and he left peacefully, peacefully and I just turned his unit. Okay, cool. I like it. I like it. All right. Uh, so again, this was, was this a 5% down kind of deal? Three and a half percent? What, what kind of down payment are we it, talking? I think it started at a five and then moved up to a six or a seven percent. I only ended up bringing around forty thousand dollars to it. I got like a two point three seven five interest rate <laughs> FHA. So like I'm not getting rid of my FHA ever. Like, yeah, you're <laughs> like I'm good. God, yeah. two point three seven. That's like free money. That's like free because I mean inflation. Let's be honest, more than two percent, and you've oh, yeah. got thirty year fixed. I still think it is hilarious that there were doomers and crash bros telling you that 2020 was the worst time to buy. Can, can I mean, seriously, folks, really? Is that what we're, I mean, you can tell me it was hard to buy. You can tell me it was a lot of competition, but, but to throw up a scary chart and point at some 
price to income ratio that it was bad time to buy. It's crazy. 2.37 money for 30 years. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And then, I mean, the craziest thing about COVID, it was like so easy to rent units. Like everybody wanted that. The vacancy was super yeah. low. And that was the biggest thing I heard from people who like never invested on why they're scared to invest. It's like, what if you don't rent the unit? Like that was the easiest part. Like, I mean, yeah, maybe you have to wait a month to get the perfect tenant that falls into your criteria, yeah. but they're out there and you get so many applications. It was very easy to fill all the units. Yeah. All right. So you, you uh, follow Brandon turn in the bigger pockets path, house hacking away. Um, did you stay there a year and do it again? Or where does Andrew's story go next? So prior to leaving that property, I actually opened up a HELOC up to hundred percent. Cause you can do that on your primary. So okay. I normally like to do that is I like the HELOC. Sorry. I like the house hack and then HELOC and HELOC up to hundred to be able to use that money to buy more property. Um, sure. I know that's very much against the ORAT way, but I very much use leverage to expand my portfolio. Um, so, but I use that 200 K. Um, then I took about 80 K from that. And I bought my, uh, my neighbor's three family right across the road. He was just knocking, yeah, he was knocking all his neighbor's doors. Like anybody want to buy this? My neighbor called me. He's like, you know, your, your neighbor's trying to sell his property. Like I threw on a shirt. I ran downstairs. <laughs> I, me, 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 me. <laughs> I walked the property. He told me a price is a fair price. I said, okay, we shook hands. And, and I took 80 K from that uh, line of credit. And then I took 40 K from like crypto and stock. And I sold all my crypto then. And I bought an investment property, um, 4.125, 30 year on that one. Wow. 30 year fixed. Uh, again, a three family, kind of the same deal. Copycat up all the way. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and it was all inherited tenants. And I think within like one or two months, I got the rent up to like my mortgage on that's like 2,300. I got the rent to like 4,300. So it, it was pretty. Nice. pretty now, did fun. any of the existing tenants you inherited leave as rents went up or they're like, nope, we're good. We'll stay. Well, that's why listening to your show is fantastic because I use the binder strategy where I learned from uh, Dion. I love Dion, yes. Job. So most, 60 to 70% of my tenants right now are inherited tenants. And okay. a lot of times I'll use the binder strategy, maybe get them 100, 200 below market, but that also saves me from ten to $15,000 return costs, which how Absolutely. many years would it take to get that money back with that two, three hundred dollar delta? It would take five, six, seven years. You know? Yeah, folks, if you, haven't, you, if you haven't followed Dion in the binder strategy, you're missing out. It is it is the way to have the tenants ask for a rent increase and be happy. Um, mm. If you haven't checked it out, Google search it. Uh, Dion has a page, which I it might be binderstrategy.com or it's Dion Talk. I forget what it is. I should write it down. Dion, I'm sorry. I forget. Put the link in a comment below. I'll pin it. Um, all right. So you, you're up to six units now in the story. Uh, mm -hmm. It sounds like uh, the next step's a house hack again. Um, the next step was actually a syndication as a limited partner. Oh, oh, you're so, oh, let's talk about that. All yeah, right. So, so you know my heartburn with syndications done at the wrong time with bridge debt, blah blah blah. But uh, totally. let's hear this story. Happy, happy to tell the story. So my HELOC, I was borrowing at three percent, and on this syndication, I get a fifteen percent annualized return. So I'm like, for me, it was a no-brainer to take money at three percent, moving into this bucket <laughs> of money at fifteen percent. I think a lot of people had that idea. <laughs> but thankfully it worked out in my favor. And I did okay. that with the, I did that with the syndication. I took $65,000 from my line of credit a year later. And it was, it was a local syndication. I knew the building. I actually walked oh. in and acted like a renter to kind of see their nice. business plan. And I a hundred percent agree with everything they were stating in their business plan. Oh, so there's a little, there's a little nugget. If you are going to invest in a syndication, go look at the asset. I mean, 
How many people didn't do that and they believe the spreadsheet? Mm. Not good. Not good. But keep keep going. I'm sorry. Keep going. Yeah. So the syndication, I, we bought, um, I think the rents were a thousand and, and market was like 1600 only oh. cosmetic upgrades. It was very, wow. it was very easy. And it was, it was a beautiful asset in this city called Low Mass, which is 45 minutes away from me. So it was like, yeah, so it was, it was a really good deal. So I threw 65 grand into it a year later. It sold for an 89% return. So, sure. so how big yeah. was the property? How many units? 132 units, um, in low mass. Yeah. Yeah. So again, um, I got to be really clear. I think syndications are a wonderful way um, to invest. I do think they got out of control. I think everybody who worked at a tech company or finance wanted to be a syndicator. I think a lot of folks were financial engineers and not operators. And without question, there are going to be hundreds of millions of dollars lost in LP capital. But if you get into a situation where you know the asset, you like you know the syndicator, and you can get into a true value add, a thousand and sixteen hundred cosmetic rehab. That's that's a it's not every that's the big thing about me is everybody thought everything would win. And that's just not how real estate works. Real estate's hard. It's mm. always hard. I get so nervous when some idiot comes on and says, This is the next great way to get rich. I'm like, you're you're the one getting rich, not everybody else. So that that's been my heartburn because I think there were too many shysters um just stealing people's money in my opinion. But so, congratulations. 89% a year, 65 grand becomes 120 or something. So that's not bad. Yeah. I mean at the end of the day it's like you're I 100% agree with what you're saying because my next indication I bought <laughs> off bridge debt <laughs> and it's not looking that good right now. I think I but I only put I split that with my brother 25k each. So it was Probably my smallest okay. real estate investment, but yeah. So that was actually my next deal. Is I went into another syndication as an LP. I'm like, oh, I like this thing. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, eighty nine percent, twelve months. <laughs> Sign me up. Yeah. So, but at that point, I'm pretty much out of my HELOC. So I'm like, what am I gonna do? So I HELOC'd my second. Well, house let, let me ask you a question about that syndication. Sure. Just based on a wild ass guess, you did you do the same thing? Did you walk the property? Did you do this? Was it still local? Was it somewhere else? What was the story? It was not. It was not. It was uh, in Phoenix, Arizona. I did. Oh, a little, yeah. that's not that's that's not Pittsburgh. Yep. And and Austin. I I gave my money to a capital raiser and not the actual operator. Ah, see, right? ding, 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 ding. Yep. Totally. So my, mistake on my bad. It might end up good. I mean, it's not. They still yeah. have a decent amount of money in the bank, but um, it definitely if, if if I could go back in time, I wouldn't have done it for sure. Is there have you got a capital? Uh, a have distribution stopped? And B have you got a capital call yet? Distribution have stopped. We have not got a capital call. Oh, thankfully, thankfully they have like 800K in the bank right now. So they might be able to ride it out. That's what I'm hoping Good at least. Good luck. Good yeah. luck. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. So where do we go next? I'm sorry I interrupted your flow. No worries. So I was completely out of my HELOC at that point. So I opened up a second HELOC on my first house act for $75,000. Yep. And, okay. and I used um, I used that money to split a three family with my buddy in Worcester as well. So all my units are on Worcester besides that original condo that I threw a renter in that's in Boston. Um, so I'll think of what am I up to about nine units at that point. 
is that I also became an investor focused agent. So while doing all this investing, I got my expenses down to like $3,000 a month. I'm still making my six figure job and working at home. I became an investor focused agent and every, all the money I'm getting from rental income is just buying more rental property. Right. So I want to, I want to hit one thing really important because you know, this is important to me having listened to my channel. You got your expenses down to 3000 a month. Where were they before you got serious? You think? I think 80% uh, of my money I received was just towards like, I probably saved about 20%. Before you got serious. Correct. So now you're down to 3K. You're probably flipped that. You're probably saving 70% and spending the 30%. Is that fair? Probably more. Yeah. I was saving significant amount for sure. All right. Because that's important, right? I, I really do believe, you know, step one after you have the foundation is creating discretionary income. You can cut expenses or increase income or do both. And that's where really this flywheel gets started, which is where you're at. So also tell me about becoming an investor-friendly agent. So you got licensed, uh, you got you created a target market. I wish more agents would do that, basically become investor-focused versus open house-focused. Uh, mm-hmm. So tell me about being an investor-friendly agent. That sounds like um, a good idea. So there was, there was a couple different reasons on why I did this. First of all, my mentor had a brokerage and my mentor owned hundreds and hundreds of units and I wanted to get where he was at. So I wanted to provide value to him in one form or another. And my, the way I provided value was I helped him start our meetup in Worcester and I brought him value in the, in the form of commissions, right? And then of I course. can essentially call him anytime and ask him any question I want, right? Genius. <laughs> uh, so, Genius. That's, so that's exactly what I ended up doing. Um, and yeah, I, I essentially became kind of the Worcester multifamily guy. Uh, mm-hmm. Then now I'm, I have a team of agents under me in Worcester, about three different agents under me. All, we're all investor focused. We only work with uh, multifamily buyers. So, that is awesome. Uh, I'm going to ask: is, Do you still have the W two? Uh, you going to keep it much longer? I mean, it seems like you're rocking and rolling. So, um, I think you mentioned this before. Your W two is an asset, right? Like I am way more loanable uh, because yes. I have the W two, right? If I want to keep these house acts going, the only way I'm going to be yeah. able to do that is keep Absolutely. my W two. So I agree. The, plan, the plan is like two, three more years of my W two, get a couple more house acts under my belt, and then kind of went to like I, my my cash flow two, three x is my expenses because as you know, cash flow is so unpredictable. Then I'll feel more. Then I'll feel more comfortable kind of leaving my W two. I love it. Yeah, don't be in a rush. I would tell most people work an extra year or two. Uh, it's not only getting your expenses, but two or three X shoot five X your monthly expenses. Um, then, then, then it gets good. But yeah, there's, I, I really do believe Andrew, too many people rush to come get out of the W2 and you just compound risk. You slow down. It might feel good in the moment, but doesn't feel good long-term. Uh, and again, I would tell people don't look at the W2 as a prison, kind of how we started this conversation. Look at it as an asset and then just, you know, count. I, I don't know if every, I, I don't know if anybody did this, but I did this every year that I can remember when it got to the, you know, the, uh, the end of the school year, I was counting down dates to the end of the school year. Cause I wanted summer vacation. Right. Mm. Um, so just look at your job. It's like, Hey, I'm one day closer to freedom. I'm one day closer to freedom. Don't look at, get excited to go to work because when you come home, you're one day closer. Um, I love all of that. So um, I mean, what kind of recommendations? Go ahead. I was going to say, to your point, when you're more excited about going to work, you end up getting more promotions and making yeah. more money, right? It's like when I, when, I, when I 
But my only thing was my W two. That's all I was invested in, like moving up. Like I didn't get what I wanted, but when I actually had a side hustle, I had a purpose. I had dreams. Like, and I my thought my job was like kind of just a job. Like, but I went through with a better mood. Yeah. Like I started get making more money, getting more promotions. People started giving me more freedom. You know, <laughs> so it's like it's like counter it's counterintuitive than what you think. You know? No, I I couldn't agree more. Yeah, once once you look at your job as an asset it becomes a little bit more enjoyable, if not a lot more enjoyable. Yeah. Because again, oh. you're, you're go, it is feeding your dreams as opposed to stealing your dreams. Mm -hmm. um, so let's talk about that new investor. Uh, they're likely going to see this on January 1st. In fact, this might be my first video of 2024. Um, what do you recommend somebody just getting started? Maybe they're on bigger pockets. Maybe they found Brandon Turner. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's hard now, right? High prices, high rates. What are you telling somebody if they're just getting started? So I'm a big believer that entrepreneurship is the journey of self-discovery and it's all about mindset, right? Mm -hmm. So I've been reading a fantastic book recently, Limitless by, mm -hmm. um, quick, but what, what's his name? Quick, his last name. What are, I, I, I Jim Quick? Something Jim like Quick. That? Thank you. Jim Quick. Yes. In their book, he talks about eliciting long-term behavioral change. And he's like, there's three things that elicit long-term behavioral change. Number one, having an epiphany, which that might be hard to do, but maybe you can do it. Yeah, number maybe. two is changing your environment. And yes. number three is taking small steps, right? So if you really want to change the life and create the life you want to live, like try to have an epiphany. It might be challenging, right? But at least do the other two, like change your environment, surround yourself around people doing what you want to do. Maybe you want to be an incredible father. Maybe you want to own multifamily, surround people who do that, right? And yeah. then the second thing is do daily action every single day. Maybe that's five minutes, but it compounds and it compounds and it compounds. And then two, three years later, your life is unrecognizable than, than what it was, you know, three, four years ago, right? So that's, that's kind of what I recommend people doing is kind of a, doing these actions to elicit long-term behavioral change. Oh, I love that. Again, there, there are lots of epiphanies. You had one when you realized the 40-40 life wasn't for you. Another one might be inflation's a feature, not a bug. Um, you know, there's there's just lots of things out there. And, and I call them light bulb moments. You can call it an epiphany. I just love when I'm able to turn on that light bulb and just see somebody's eyes go, I see it. It was dark before. Uh, it's pretty amazing. And of course, I believe focus and daily discipline. I probably repeat that more than anything else. I generically call that doing the work. I tell people to get around people that are doing it. In fact, I, I'm also getting on this kick of blocking doomers. Oh, freaking guys and gals annoy the hell out of me. They're stealing your future by, by telling you nonsense. Um, just block. I can tell you X or Twitter, which is something I just got on in 2023. Mm -hmm. It's an extremely negative platform until you start blocking doomers. And then there's a lot of great people on Twitter. There's a lot of great finance in people in housing on Twitter. You just got to block the noisy few. The few make a lot of noise. because That's all they have to do. They're just poor living in their mom's basement and they gripe and bitch about the world. Block them and life gets better. Uh, Andrew, closing thoughts and where can people find you? So I just want to thank you for writing one rental at a time because you elicited that light bulb moment. So thank you, Michael. You do a lot of great. So I really appreciate that. And people can find me at Investor Freedom, always putting out free content and kind of educating the world. So, yeah. One more time. What is the uh, channel or page? Investor Freed on Instagram. Investor Freed on Instagram. Give him a follow. 
Matter of fact, go to Instagram right now. Look them up and tell them you saw this interview on One Rental at a Time. Andrew, thank you so much. Thank you.